It's car con carne. Let's eat in the car. It's car con carne. And welcome back to the working week. It is Carcon Carney. I'm James Van Osdell. And I, in my spare time, I decided to update the CarconCarney.com website with a list of everyone who's been on the show since 2014. It's right there in the navigation on the homepage, dating back to 2014, all the way through last week's appearance by Joey Mulland of Badfinger. Uh, if you want to see who did what, when, and if you wanted to reminisce about the days when we could go to restaurants in this podcast, I list all the restaurants we visited too. Carconcarne.com for that. You know, there's no better way to start a week than by talking comics. My guest tonight is Thomas Healy. He is the editor of Spawn Comics. He's also the publishing coordinator at Todd McFarlane Productions. Good evening, Thomas. Good evening, James. Thanks for having me on tonight. So with baseball season about to rev up, are you about to lose contact with Todd McFarlane for the foreseeable future? Yeah, yeah. He is uh, a well-documented sports fanatic. Uh, and, it, you know, the, the crazy thing about it is it's not, I don't believe it's so much of watching the games. Though that is something he does. I have had to call him several times and he'll be like, hey, we're at the sixth inning. Um, I'll finish that. I'll finish that cover once the game's over. Um, but he's he's incredibly into the statistics of it and tracking stats. Uh, that is just one of his, his passions. And I think that that applies to all sports. Is he one of those guys who does all of his box scores while he sits and watches? I can't do that. I, you know what? I, I'm almost positive that no matter what sporting event he's watching, he has a spreadsheet open and he's tracking something without a doubt. Got it. Let, let's start with the character of spawn. Here we are. I mean, Spawn debuted in 1992. What is it about Spawn that's made him a top tier character for so long? Well, that's a big question. Um, you know, because 300 plus issues set the world record when it hit issue 301. Um, you know, he's gone not necessarily through changes, but, you know, the times have changed. Um, I think what really got him started and what really catapulted him to the top was in 92 when all of those guys, when those seven guys left Marvel in DC and, and, and kind of said, you know, we're done with you. We're done with this corporate comic stuff. We want to do our own stuff. You know, they all ended up creating these anti-heroes. Uh, they were different, you know, Superman, truth, justice in the American way. I love Superman. Don't get me wrong. Um, and there were certainly those type of characters that existed in the Marvel and DC universe, but this was a universe of those characters and Spawn was at the forefront of that. Um, he was the biggest of them all and he's just maintained and he's just kept trucking. And one of the things that uh, Todd is really kind of focused on is, you know, you could restart, you could renumber DC notorious for doing that every few years with with just they stop a series they start a new number one they re redo the universe because it it helps bring fresh new readers and todd's never done it he said no i've got a story to tell and it's just going to continue on we're never going to relaunch spawn we're never going to reboot spawn thank you that is hell on a, on a comic book collect collection different volumes renumbering makes me it crazy is. It, it is. And it, it's, it's super annoying. And I was in retail for many years and people have a lot of frustrations for it. And, you know, they always they always switch back to the legacy numbering as they refer to it when they have a big anniversary to celebrate. But then once that's over, they go back to just starting a new Spider-Man with a number one. And it's like, but it's not number one. And then they'll do stuff. And I remember when Iron Man 600 came out, people were really concerned 
curious like well how is this equal 600 issues and marvel put out a checklist of like here's the total and it was a couple of those series didn't even star iron man or tony stark they're like why are you counting this well because they needed an anniversary that year so oh, it became it. iron man 600 do you remember your first impression of spawn Yes, uh, I graduated high school in 92. So this was, I was my, with me and my buddy, Billy, you know, we'd make that, uh, that trek down to the comic book store. And what really got me about Spawn was at the time, they were still printing a lot of those comics, Marvel and DC specifically. They still had the newsprint. They still had the dull paper. And I remember seeing Spawn and it was, I think, $1.95, which was more expensive than the regular comics, but it had this beautiful glossy cover and the paper was just so different and so full of color compared mm -hmm. to the Wolverine and the X-Men and all of the other, all of the other companies quickly caught up and that, you know, that's now a standard thing, but at the time it really set it apart and you open it up and it was that crazy Todd McFarlane art and incredible amounts of violence. Incredible amounts. And you said it, you mentioned the color. I remember when the whole image thing happened and the industry was turned upside down. Uh, Spawn was just vibrant. Yes, that, that was my takeaway. It was just a vibrant comic. And I, it, this is going to sound so hipster, but I remember when I came back to comics in college, uh, Infinity Incorporated was one of those books I came back to. And that's how I discovered Todd. It was pre mm -hmm. Spider-Man. And then years later, I'm like, oh, that's the guy. Like I, I slowly came back in. I'm like, oh, I'm all in. Sign yeah. me up for this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he 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 was he was an artist. He was a, a good artist when he started these comics, and he'll be the first to admit he got great life lessons from a lot of incredible, well-regarded people. And it just slowly, you know, slowly ticked away on making this adjustment and that adjustment and this type of panel layout. And then when he finally got onto Spider-Man, it was. I don't want to draw like everybody's drawn Spider-Man. I'm going to give him crazy big eyes and I'm going to do my web super weird because he <laughs> likes to noodle. He loves to just noodle all these little details uh, in his stuff. And it was, I don't want to have him just looking like Tarzan swinging. So I'm going to put him in poses that shouldn't be possible, but you know what? It's Spider-Man and he's thin and flexible. So he can do it. And those covers and those images, that is what garnered a, an entirely new generation of Spider-Man fans. Because that book was yeah. not the top seller at the time. And him coming on revitalized that whole, whole franchise at the time. 100%. Spawn is right up there with all the big properties like Spider-Man, like Batman. But you are still an independently published comic. Is there a lot, as far as the business machinations of what you do go, is there a lot of fighting and clawing to maintain market share next to the, the big, the big two, I guess? You know, possibly, possibly. And, and you have to realize and a lot of people don't realize that you mentioned it before. I'm the publishing coordinator for Todd McFarland Productions. Uh, I manage and edit all of the spawn titles. I don't work for image. Image is his own company. Image publishes spawn. Mm -hmm. um, so image is very well known and well regarded for taking creator own works. Um, creators can come pitch their idea they go through the process, it goes out. Um, I don't think a lot of people would expect a creator-owned book. Now, there, there's big books like Scott Snyder has a new book called Mock Terra coming out, which is going to be, I think, a huge hit. Donnie Cates has crossover right now, which is proving to be monstrous. Um, but 
most of the people that go to image it's because they've they're, maybe they're they're newer creators and they're they're doing maybe stuff that's a little bit more on the odd side and not traditional superheroes and tights type comics and that's kind of where a lot of image books go um so there's not really a lot of push nobody i think a lot of those people don't expect to necessarily compete with an avengers title or the new nightwing book um as far as spawn goes todd i think at this point in his career in his career d- has earned the right to he doesn't care don't get me wrong. When we look, when we look at the sales charts, it's always nice to see really close to the top there, which it has been since 300. Uh, that's always great, but it hasn't been in the, always in its 300 plus run. Uh, it's been very low for for runs. It's been very high for runs, and we've been very lucky uh, since that since 300 hit. Um, we've had some talent come on that had kind of taken the book in a different direction, and we had those big announcements a couple of weeks ago. Um, and right now, Spawn is is consistently a top ten, top five book. Let's talk about those big announcements. The Spawn universe is expanding. I, from the outside looking in, I, I I guess this seems like something long overdue. Yes, I think mean, yeah, I think this was his plan from the beginning. Uh, you know, when you look at those the originals, Image Seven, a lot of those books at the time were intertwined. You know, you had Mark Silvestri working on his Witchblade stuff. Uh, Eric Larson's Savage Dragon, Valentina Shadow, Hawk, Wills Potasio had the, had the wet works, all of Jim Lee's stuff from Wildstorm. Um, so there was a lot of interconnected stuff. They did their little crossovers um, as the, as you know, going on 28 years, almost 30 years of image history. Um, some of them left, some of them went right back to, to the competitors and, and are doing very, very well. Um, some of them like Todd and Eric are still just churning out, they're their babies. Savage Dragon still going on, just like Spawn. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the plan was always to have this image universe, this shared universe. And as some of those creators peeled away and maybe moved on to other things, it didn't didn't work. And then Image's kind of goal became user uh, cr- you know, user creator owned books. So they kind of moved into that direction. I think, but creating a shared universe where you could have multiple books with multiple creative teams, with multiple characters, I think that never left Todd's mind because I think that was one of the, the original goals of what Image was supposed to be. Sure. And now he's like, well, we've got enough characters. I've got 300 plus issues of, of continuity to play with. I've got how many hundreds of characters that we've brought as well as new ideas. This is the perfect time to do it. And the books are King Spawn, Gunslinger Spawn, The Scorched... Am I missing anything? And then just regular Spawn. Right, of course. Spawn, the legacy book, is still going on. We're not renumbering it. Uh, it's just going to keep on trucking. So all right, help help us explain what, what's going to go on in the Spawn universe and these expanded titles. So coming out, there's going to be a one-shot called Spawn's Universe Number 1, and it's just a one-shot, and that'll be coming out in June. Uh, and that will set the tone and set some of the, the kind of, the, without giving too much, some of the pieces in motion that will lead into the additional books uh some of the storylines like spawn and king spawn will follow the character val simmons specifically um and then you've got the scorched which is going to be the team book and that'll be coming out in december and again that'll be the slow burn of how are these people decided to lead coming together because if you've read spawn he is without a doubt the loner dark gritty character and certainly he's had uh, acquaintances that he's worked with or even friends at some point in times, but typically like a, like the Punisher, he's kind of always been a solo act. And now you've got a lot more uh, based on some of the events that happened 
uh, in 305 and 306 and 307, um, there's been this kind of like rip in the fabric of time. And a lot of these spawns from that have appeared in previous books and, and side projects have all kind of ended up in the present day. And now they're kind of stuck there. Some of them are, are just trying to get home. Some of them are like, well, great, a new place to, con to conquer. Um, and it's kind of seeing how all of these, these different players now are going to be working together. So that'll be the Scorched. Uh, October is going to be the Gunslinger book because that's, he kind of turned into kind of a breakout character uh, that has just been very popular. Kind of like that Clint Eastwood drifter, <laughs> you know, but set in some. So that'll be coming out in uh, October. And then in August will be the King Spawn number one. What a great time. For, for If someone has strayed from Spawn, uh, what a great time to jump back in. Like, this yes. is the year. This is absolutely the, and there's, a, there's several reasons for it. Um, because if you just wanted to jump in, you're like, hey, I don't, I don't, I don't care about the previous stuff. I want to know from, from the present day into what's happening. Cause I've heard these new titles are starting. Yeah. Uh, you don't have to buy a ton of back issues to catch up. You can start at like 306. 306 would be a great jumping on point. 306 that catches you up to everything that's going on. Uh, the other thing, and I'm, and I'm going to tout this because it just came out uh, last week, which is the, uh, the spawn color compendium. Uh, this is 50, 50 issues. Uh, and this is the first time that this book has been collected in color. That's amazing. You can't read that in bed. That'll crush you. It will. You, it's like a phone book. <laughs> I bet a lot of people don't, don't get phone books anymore, but I used to remember getting a phone book. And this is as thick and heavy as a phone book. Um, but that's a great place to start because it's, it's I think, like, $59.99, probably cheaper on Amazon if you want to go there. But that's the first 50 issues. And we're, we're working on volume two right now. And we'll, we'll have those coming out. And that'll eventually just catch everything up. So if you're just that person that wants to be completely um, just kind of completionist, th this, is, this is the way to go. And this came out last week. And it looks very handsome on a shelf. It does well, look great on a shelf. And see what you said, maybe starting at issue 306. That's so important for someone to jump in and not be overwhelmed. Like if you are totally plugged into every nuance of the continuity, you're rewarded. But if you're not, you're still welcome. I mean, there, we've yes. as comic book fans and readers, you and I have both jumped into titles where you're like, I, I need spark notes. I can't do this. I don't know what's happening yep. here. I'm out. That's so important to, to kind of cast that wide net for people. Especially books, especially books like Spawn. I mean, and you go back to somebody who wants to read Batman and, you know, you, you get a lot of these titles that maybe in their issue 20 or 30 and somebody will want to jump on and be like, you, know, you can just pick it up, just start reading it. Oh, I, I need to get them all. I'm like, all right, have you read all of Batman? You haven't. <laughs> you, know, you picked up whatever the latest issue of Batman was and you just started. You could do that with most comics, but we have just made it a way that if you want to go back, it's going to be a little bit easier for you to do so. And if you want to jump in, I can tell you exactly what the best point is because everything that started in that story arc is coming to fruition with this Spawn's universe number one. So the, the pandemic was okay for Spawn. Uh, can we talk about the Kickstarter? Absolutely. Because you were directly involved with that. Yes. Yes. Oh my God. Just, just blew the roof off of Kickstarter. It, was su the it surprised everybody. The, I mean, I can tell you the, 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 the planning meetings for that, of, of the literal, so what are we going to give them? Okay, it's, it's a figure. 
how many heads how many how many swords do they get an axe do they get well let's do this one and what comics i was i was directly involved in like well we're going to put the comic in it because the original ones came with the comic books um and and all of that stuff and the people were like well if we if we set these goals too high we don't do it 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 doesn't look good and Mm -hmm. and we kind of were just like well you know we're just going to do it it's the first one and man the second we hit go on that, all of us involved in that were literally just sitting, refresh, refresh. The next morning, did you guys see what hit? Wait, you see what hit last night at midnight? Refresh, refresh. And it just, it went insane. And finally, after the pandemic, after the, the factory shutting down and shipping sitting out off the coast of California, uh, as of last week, people in the United States are finally getting their packages. Oh delivered. my gosh. Because yeah, I'm, I'm sure that was in the back of your head the whole time. We, this all has to be fulfilled. This has to go yeah. out. Yeah, you know, I, I think there was obviously there's always going to be some people that are that are grumpy. Uh, and surprisingly, we had a lot of people. You know, you read through the customer service comments that didn't understand what a Kickstarter was. I thought that had kind of become a very accepted societal way of of purchasing things that you want to support. Uh, we had a lot of people like the second they did it. What when is it shipping? It's like, well, we, it's not yet. You don't know. Do, do you have you never done Kickstarter? Um, but you know, Todd promised it should ship by November. And for the most part, it did, it shipped by November. It, it just sat on a boat in the ocean for a very long time. And, it's, uh, but we're finally seeing it now. That's so interesting what you said about Kickstarter. Cause you're right. It, it's true. We, we kind of take things like that for granted. I still assume everyone knows what a podcast is, but I realize this, this platform still hasn't hit critical mass yet. So the crowdfunding platforms, maybe people are more aware of GoFundMe just because of the past year. But Kickstarter yeah. and some of that stuff, it's still to the general population. It's it's on the fringes. But I mean, yeah. to, you, to you and me, it's like, oh, yeah, of course, he's going to do a Kickstarter. Makes sense to me. Awesome. Yeah. And yep. You're going to talk about it on a podcast. Of course. It is. And one of the greatest things is when you kickstart something and then you totally forget about it. One day something shows up you're like, oh, hey, it's that thing I kickstarted. Oh, my, that was the whole pandemic for me. I, I just planted little time released Easter eggs for myself that would just periodically appear at my door. That, that, that's how it, that's how yeah. I made it through. Lots of packages. My wife and I were talking about that the other night. So many packages, so many random things that we've just bought. To, I was bored. Yeah. My, my record, co- my record collection swole a little bit during the uh, pandemic. Yeah. Yes. Mine, mine as well. Mine oh, as well. What do you, what do you like to listen to? Um, I, I listen to most everything. Most of the stuff that I purchase, uh, punk and jazz. All right, so. that's diverse. And, yeah, and, and unfortunately, t- two of the genres that can that some of the rarities can be quite expensive. For sure, I, we have a couple of really good record stores in Chicago. We've got a bunch of really good record stores. Mm-hmm. A couple with profoundly large and deep jazz sections. And yeah. every time I walk into those stores, I think, God, I wish I knew something about jazz. Because this would be a great place to be right now. Like, I find jazz overwhelming to get into. It is. It really is. You know, when I first started listening to jazz, to, if, if you don't mind the tangent, uh, I was... I, I, I think I, I started along, it. Yeah. Um, I grew up on Long Island. I grew up in Amityville. And I was taking the train into the city once when my wife and I went back to visit. And I, I was bored. We were, you know, it's, it was about a 45-minute train ride. We were exhausted. I think we were actually coming home from the city. And I just went to Wikipedia and I just looked up John Coltrane. I'd heard the name John Coltrane. And I just started reading about John Coltrane on Wikipedia. And then from there, it went to 
Thelonious Monk and Art Pepper and all of the Blue Note guys and everything. And then, so I just read about them. And I was like, wow, these are interesting stories about their lives and you know, drug addicts and stuff like that. So then I just went to, I don't think Spotify was around at that point, but whatever the music service was, and they just had like starter jazz playlist. <laughs> and I just started listening. And then eventually I just found the stuff that I liked. Is as someone who has to write and edit and, and really focus on copy and continuity during the day, I, I'm assuming jazz is a good thing to listen to. Cause I, I find when I work and if I'm writing during the day, sometimes lyrics compete with lyrics and vocals compete with my work. You are in the exact same space as me. I can't listen to stuff that I love and that I know the lyrics to. You're absolutely right. So if I'm working on the edit, if it's press week, uh, which this is press week. So we're putting three sixteen to bed Monday. So this is the week that I'm, we're, get, we're making sure all of the art's in, all of the colors are in, speech bubbles are matching. So we're putting all of that stuff together this week. Um, and I very rarely will listen to my punk stuff that week because I'll sing, I'll sing along and then I won't be paying attention. Uh-huh. Uh, jazz is great because for a, a large portion of it, it's, it's lyricless. Yeah, I've been listening so. to soundtracks and scores lately because mm-hmm. that, that's great background. Uh, the, the 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 rabbit hole I went down uh, is a music genre called Russian Cold Wave, and it's like their version of '80s new wave from the, from the late '80s. Yeah, so if you just look up Russian Cold Wave on uh, Spotify, there's a couple of great great playlists. And what's great, it's all in Russian, and I don't speak it, so I don't go. have to worry about I don't have to worry about singing along. So you started to talk about it, your job as editor of Spawn Comics. For people who don't follow comics, and we all know what an editor does, kind of. Uh, as editor of Spawn, what's your day-to-day look like when you're not, perhaps not in this week? Or maybe this, this week's a good example. No, it's, yeah, this is, this is a good example. Um, it's a lot of, I, I call it talent management. I, I deal with all of the various creative teams because we're, we're working on multiple books all at the same time. It's not just the regular spawn title. You know, there's stuff going on with some of the new books coming out um, as well, as well as, you know, there's other artists that are working on different arcs, maybe that are going to be filling arcs down the road. Cause eventually, you know, Carlo, who's, who's been a phenomenal artist, he's going to want a vacation. He's going to, he's going to need a couple of days off. So we want to make sure that like that doesn't become a problem. So we'll have another, you know, fill in arc ready to go. Um, but I basically I'm dealing with, with the, the talent on a day to day basis. I'm talking to them um, if they need reference, because there's an obscure character that Todd wrote in the script that maybe they're not familiar with. I can get them that um, I'm getting their pages. Basically, almost every day we're getting either, you know, penciled and inked pages or the colors back. At that point, I can review those and go, oh, hey, you know what? This is going to need to be tweaked because of XYZ is going to happen later in the script. So we wanted to match mm. that or this angle doesn't look good. And Todd will do those reviews as well. And he's kind of looking at it at a much more of an artistic standpoint where he might go, you know, he's looking at the, maybe the musculature or the framing or the panel layout and stuff like that. So he'll have a different eye. I'm looking a lot of at the continuity stuff. Um, and then just the storytelling aspects of it. And then he might just be looking at the actual art of that page. And then when the colors come in, making sure the colors match. So, you know, this guy's shirt was red and now it's green. We need to fix that kind of stuff. Um, and it's also a lot of reaching out to new talent as well, because we've got a lot of a lot of irons in the fire. We've got a lot of projects to work on. Um, so we're reaching out to, to writers and artists all the time. Um, and some of those were names that were part of that announcement that came out that we were like, who, who would be really cool? to do covers 
uh, for Spawn book that have never done it because there's a lot of the usual suspects that put out amazing Spawn covers. Um, but then there's fans, of, there's people that I love that, as a comic book nerd that are not typically Spawn people. And I'm like, you know what? I want to see a Frank Quietly Spawn cover you because know. I love Frank Quietly. Um, I, I, and I grew up, I love Brett Booth, one of the old school image guys from that Wildstorm Studios. Mm-hmm. And I follow him on online and we chat about Backlash all the time. I'm like, I want to, I want to see Brett Booth do some stuff. And, you know, so it's, it's reaching out to people like that and like, hey, would you be interested in doing that? And then again, gathering the materials. Um, and then there's the boring stuff. We have a lot of international publishers from all over the world that put out collections. Very few of them put out monthly titles. They usually wait for storylines to be collected. Um, so it's dealing with a lot of the international publishers and making sure that their translations are good. And then they send us the copies to approve and stuff like that. So that's, to me, not as fun of us getting on the phone with someone like, you know, Booth or Greg I, the, edit, the role of editor, as I've always understood, and as you as you articulated it, always sounded like a great combination of left and right brain. Yeah. The, the kind of job that changes every day. You, you kind of know yes. what you have to do, but it's different every day you walk in. Every single day. I, I, my year, this past year, even though we're home, has gone so fast simply because, again, every single day it's different. It's not. It's not monotonous at all. I might have days where there's very little to do because hey, we're ahead on the book. We've got a week before we got to go to press. The colors are all looking good. And there's just not a lot. And then there's other days where not that there's a crisis, but there's just a lot, a lot hitting. And, you know, I, I have, you know, for the video that came out for top social media, you know, I, I directed that. Um, so, so there's a lot of just the comic stuff that's not specifics to the book um, that I just kind of got my fingers in those pies. Well, and with that, let's talk about your role as publishing coordinator at Todd McFarlane Productions. Mm-hmm. I mean, what you just described is a 60 hour work week. Add to that the publishing coordinator stuff. Uh, what is that? Publishing that coordinator. Mean? So so those those roles are kind of like um, liaising pretty much daily with the Image Comics people, because uh, Image Comics, again, all of that creator owned stuff is all put out through Image. So. Mm-hmm they like individual books very rarely will have their own editors image has their own editor team um so i'll liaise with them because again they still publish spawn it's still an image comics title um so but they just don't do the editing they don't do the the putting the book together todd wants to have control over his own book um so we do everything in-house and then i i liaise with them so then they'll talk about like hey we're going to be doing uh we want to put some more graphic novels out we want to do a compendium. So we had, you know, conversations. Should it be, well, why don't we do color this time? We did the black and white one. The color's cooler. And now it's, it, it was cheaper to print it now than it was in the, in the past when they did that one. So it's having meetings like that and talking to them, um, dealing with the printer and print issues and, you know, dealing with, I learned, I've learned more about paper stock uh, in the <laughs> last year than I thought I would ever need to know about um, and stuff like that. Um, that's that's more the publishing thing, uh, the contracts for the various artists, stuff like that. Digital's become a necessary part of really every aspect of the entertainment business. I, I've said this from the get go. I have always preferred reading the the hard copy of a comic as opposed to the digital copy. I, I get the the convenience of digital, but to me, there, there's nothing like being able to flip the pages and and enjoy it that way. Digital's just, I, I'll read a digital prose book any day of the week, but when it comes mm-hmm. to comics, I want the, I want the OG. I want the, I want the pages. Yeah. I, I agree. I agree. And it's funny that you say that because that was actually one of the, the impetus to actually have us 
when we started doing the lockdown here and, and the, the offices closed and everybody kind of got scattered to their homes, um, we did about, I think, three issues where we had no contact and we were all working from home. And it, it became it became difficult. There was actually uh, one issue that we actually had a, a mistake in because I missed it. Uh, I will not say which one that is. <laughs> so you guys love to have that down. Um, but it was to us, it was very, very obvious. And it was because, you know, I have a really nice monitor uh, and I'm reading the comics on the monitor, but it's not the same. So we had that discussion and I had that, that talk with Todd uh, and I have a production artist that works for me, Nicolette, and she's the one that, that does a lot of the InDesign and the Illustrator stuff and physically takes all of the files and builds a comic book out of them for the printer. Um, and we all decided, you know what? We're going to we'll be safe and we all have separate offices. So we would we go in on Mondays on, of press week um, in our, and work in our offices, but we're all there. Um, and we have really good printer there. So every time a change is made on the book, every time there's an adjustment, we just print out an entire new copy. And then we'll all sit in our offices. And I always, like on my Instagram, people will see, I'll be like, it's press day and I got my red Sharpie. And that's where I'm correcting grammar and I'm, I'm fixing stuff and I'm fixing words. Because if you've got something out of in InDesign and you, you, you tweak a, a speech bubble, there could be unforeseen consequences where that little tweak here moved another one off the page and you don't notice right. it. So printing it out over and over again, and I can't afford the ink for my home printer. So it's much easier to go into the office because we probably over the course of putting a book together over the, the two days that it usually takes, we probably print out at least, I would say 10 to 15 copies of that book and reread it over and over from start to finish. Cause you can't, you can't just do that one page. You have to reread everything. And makes that makes sense. sure. Yeah. Makes perfect sense. So I, I don't know if this is a fair comparison, but here you are, you're at the precipice uh, of this expanded universe just exploding. Uh, new titles, the Spawn universe is exploding. Does it feel to you like, are, are, do you feel like a kid who all of a sudden got the chance to like jump into the Marvel bullpen at the beginning or be, be part of something like that seismic? I mean, you weren't around, you weren't there for the image explosion, but here you are as McFarlane's universe is just about to go stratospheric in all kinds of Absolutely. directions. Absolutely. I think about it all the time. I think about it all the time. I, I have had a lot of, of varying careers. Uh, yeah, I worked in finance for a long time managing mutual funds, and I absolutely hated it. Um, <laughs> I, I, have, I have performed uh, as a professional magician and mind reader. Um, I managed a comic book shop for many, many years, left there to work uh, in hospice care for about eight years. Wow. Um, did that for many years that as you could probably guess there is a lot of burnout in that industry oh yeah i love the industry i will still support that industry i saw very good friends that work in hospice care uh but it was time for me to move on at that at, at, after some point sure and i just kind of was like well i'm gonna go get a job back at, at the local comic book shop again uh until i figure out where i want to go next and uh i was just very lucky to know some people that worked at, at tmp and there was some shuffling of, of varying uh people and uh, there was the opening came up for the publishing coordinator so uh, i interviewed with uh, todd and uh, john goff who was the editor at the time uh in in the publishing office and the first thing todd said to me is like uh, why don't you sit at that desk see if it fits and i went all right this is cool <laughs> and uh, i sat there and it was it was just a super super casual interview um he just kind of 
wanted to know about my background with comics and managing people and which was a lot of what I did at hospice and stuff like that. So I had a lot of the little bits and pieces of, of qualities that he was looking for. Uh, and then John ended up moving soon after onto another awesome job. Uh, and I just ended up taking over both roles and it just kind of became a, a one, a one person department. And then that's, that's, that's how I ended up here. And now, yeah, so that was, came on when the book was doing okay. And it was just kind of, had just hit that, that 300 uh, mark and was, was cool, but nothing like this had been planned at that point uh, other than in Todd's head. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then as, as we took over, he would, you know, we would just sit around the conference room and be like, what if we did this? What if we did this? Or what do you think about this? And it just slowly culminated into uh, this year, which is huge. So two, two things I take away from this one, you have the most complicated or confusing LinkedIn profile of anyone I've ever met <laughs> Two, I, I credit to Todd McFarlane. He could have very easily been complacent and just kept things going. But he, I mean, it, it takes balls to say, here's, I want to expand. I want to put these new titles out. That's, that's how you move the business. That's how you move the character. That's how you move the universe forward. It's, it takes, it takes some courage to do that. And I, I think it's awesome that, that you are there for all of it. Yeah. I, I, I certainly would never want to put or, or thank what happened with COVID and the lockdown and everything, but I don't know that we'd be where we are without it. Um, when everything happened and everything started kind of going weird and, and the lockdown started happening and people were like, businesses are going to be shuttered. You can argue whether there's a lot of people that I think have a lot of misconceptions about Todd McFarlane. Um, He's got a lot of money. He's rich. He doesn't care. I have, I have met very few creators that care about their fan base more than he does. Um, he will, he will bend over backwards for his fans, no matter how tired, no matter how many con appearances he's done. Um, he will always there be for a smile. He'll always take a photo. You know, he, he cares about that. So when all of this happened and there were talks of shops that were going to have to be closed down and maybe have to go to mail order for a little bit. And then there was talks with Marvel and DC and image and all the big companies, they were having private discussions. Like what do we as an industry want to do? And he was one of the people that said, look, if people are going to be locked in their home, they need a distraction. We want to continue to publish. That's what we want to do. And then there were talks about, well, well, are, are we going to do this? Are they going to do this? And it was, he was one of the, the really big people at the beginning that saying, no, we, we have to do this. People are going to need this distraction. We need to support shops. If we don't like, maybe the shop is closed because they're not allowed to have people in there, but that doesn't mean that that guy can't run an eBay store right. or that guy can't do uh, mail order and, or, 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 or gal. Um, so if all the publishers say in order to help you, we're going to stop printing books. Well, what are they going to sell then? And he was a big proponent of we have to keep going and we have to keep doing it. And because he's also the president of image, um, we did all, there was all kinds of returnability things for retailers that were done. They've been doing the free overship books for the last seven months. So if you, if you do that, you get an extra 20% of, of a special cover and you know that they sell, let's be honest, it's a very, you can sell that at higher than yeah. cover price, but we're giving to these retailers for free. So that's been incredibly helpful for them. So we just kept it going. And I think that helped sales and helped retailers go, dude, image is great. They're, they're helping us during this. They're, they're providing stuff for us to work with. They're giving us 
programs that we can utilize that will help our businesses. Um, and I think that that garnered a lot of, of positive momentum for the book. So, sure. you know, do I, if I would, would I want to redo the last year? Absolutely. Let's be honest. I'm not even saying that. Absolutely. But I do think that helped a lot in, in keeping us uh, moving forward. And I mean, there's a great takeaway for, you know, I have a lot of musicians who watch and listen to this podcast, a lot of creative types. There's a great takeaway from the way Todd conducted business there. You just, you don't forget what got you to where you are in the first place. You mm -hmm. always respect whether it's, you know, honoring the fans and their need, because let's face it, content was so important over the past 12 months. We were starved for it and we couldn't get enough content. That was the right move. And yeah. respecting the the distribution points, those local comic shops, that 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 is awesome. That was the right thing to do. Yeah. Yep. All right. So the Spawn universe is expanding. King Spawn, Gunslinger Spawn, The Scorched, and of course, Spawn. Thomas Healy, thank you so much for chatting tonight. Uh, I know it's a crazy week for you. I'll let you go back to moving thought balloons and word bubbles. Yes. Thought bubbles, word balloons. Yes. That's correct. <laughs>